Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast for everyone clocking those late night DFS hours. This is our night shift episode for week number 14. We're going to break down the Sunday night football DFS slate and the Monday night football DFS slates. And that's plural because we have a double header this Monday for week 14. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. And if you haven't listened to our full fantasy preview, be sure to check that out. It's out right now over on this channel. We break down the main slate, so be sure to check that out. And you can also find our player projections episode for week 14 over on the Action Network podcast channel. Don't forget to join the Action Network Discord as well, where my guy, one of the most accurate fantasy rankers and projectors in the game, is very active, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up? I, I always love these Monday Night Doubleheaders, uh, so I'm super stoked for it. They're not even staggering the time either. They're both yeah. starting at the same time. I absolutely love that. Yeah, that is kind of cool. You know, it's 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 kind of like you have something to switch back and forth versus like another marathon after <laughs> after yeah. Sunday where you say you don't get too much fatigue here. But um, also a good reason to go out. You know, you need multiple TVs. Can't watch it at true. home. You have to yeah. go out and watch yeah. the game. I, I think it gets people to go out. Uh, and But, you know, I think the, the Sunday night game probably is the best of the bunch. So we're going to start with that one. Yeah. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles going to – Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Cowboys favored by three in the hook. The total is 53. That's 8.20 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And, of course, we have our Action Network luck rankings. Luck be a lady tonight. Be sure to check out uh, the full luck ranking list uh, on ActionNetwork.com or in the app. Uh, Essentially, you can kind of factors out all the luck and, and looks at, you know, which teams have been riding too high and the Eagles were the luckiest team. Uh, and, and no, the Steelers were the luckiest team. Yep. And lo and behold, they get blown out by two or they lose by two scores to Arizona at home and Philadelphia gets blown out at home. Uh, so the two luckiest teams, the luck rankings uh, definitely came through, you know, pointed, pointed us in the right direction last week, this week, Philadelphia remains. Even after that that blowout, uh, I guess it's not luck- like San Francisco's just good, not lucky. So yeah. uh, Philadelphia remains the luckiest team, and and this is you know for all the Eagle fans out there, uh, we're not. This is no slander. Philadelphia has been great. They're ten and two, and that you got to stack wins, try to get that home field. That's the name of the game. So that's what that's what Philly's doing. But you know they have been there have been some spots where they could have easily games could have easily gone the other way. That Buffalo yeah. overtime game comes to mind. 
you know, Kansas City if if they catch one of those deep balls late in the game. Uh, so you know, there, there's obviously you know Dallas getting getting down driving downfield and, and still losing by five after all the you know the weirdness with Dak stepping out right before the two point conversion. So you know, Philadelphia could be uh, a little. The, the win loss record may not be as good in, a, in an alternate universe as you play those games, <laughs> you know, uh, over and over again. I don't think you'd get the same result every time. That's what the luck ranker is trying to say. Yep. Philly's number one and Dallas in the middle of the pack. So um, that's, I mean, 15, uh, a differential of 15 and a 27% gap. That's the second highest uh, of the week, you know, in favor of Dallas. And then the total, Sean, as we were talking about uh, off air, is minus 9.8 which essentially means these teams have combined to you know score uh nearly 10 points over expectation but as you were telling me and and you can I'll let you touch Mm -hmm. on you know any any thoughts on Philadelphia just how lucky they've been in this matchup in a second but I do want to get your thoughts on the total because this is the lowest of the the entire slate and one of the lowest I think we've seen all year minus 9.8 but you're saying like this late in the year's that actually is like a reverse signal. Like it's kind of, it, it's, it, it kind of means that you, you want to tend to look toward the over in this spot. So uh, talk about that. Yeah. So just looking um, backwards, uh, you know, in week 10 or later, uh, if a game has a luck total lower than negative seven and a half, which this game does um, games are, were, I should say past tense, 20 and 12. So 63% to the over uh, and uh, not the under. So last week that was the Dolphins commanders. Um, it had a luck total of minus 11. Um, so Nick and I were pointing out that it's actually a reverse signal um, potentially uh, in favoring the over. And sure enough, I, I kind of looked into it. I love the scoring potential of the first half in this game. So that's what I went with on convince me. It was uh 24 and a half. Um, so I, there's something about it where, you know, it's probably just overlooking how explosive an offense like the Dolphins are. Uh, what I saw, it's it's typically even more so in the first half. They play at a much faster pace. So there's just a lot of things going into this. But, you know, maybe uh, so in this game, you know, Dallas is accounting for minus 6.8 of that. Maybe it's just kind of overaccounting how explosive their offense is. I think, if anything, maybe, you know, all these pick sixes that Deron Bland has had, um, will be contributing to that somewhat. You can't really lean on pick sixes. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it's been sort of a reverse signal for the over. So just something to you know, think of uh, when it comes to this massive lock under of almost minus 10 here. Yeah, I think it, it does make some kind of sense because, you know, we are obviously trying to factor out the luck. But now you get this, you know, you get to week 10 and a lot of these stats start to become sticky. Like, you know, you're not really using as much regression once you get to week 10 yeah. for, for some of these numbers. And uh, so, well, yeah, you're not going to expect Dallas to have a pick six or two every week. Uh, <laughs> Dallas is leading the league in, you know, defensive touchdowns. And Dallas is number four in the league in explosive play rate uh, at 12.8%. Uh, you, counting an explosive play is a 12-yard rush and a 16-yard pass. So, you know, Dallas just kind of has that magic combination that, you know, at this point in the season, you know, not all of that is true, like their true rates, but a lot, it's a lot more true than it would be, you know, yeah. like in week two or three when you could say, oh, you know what, they're just getting like, like we know Dallas just has, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, a defense that's going to take advantage of 
an opportunistic defense and explosive offense. Yeah. And, and they're, they're starting to pass a lot more early in mm-hmm. games since they're by. Like, they're really kind of going. And yeah. we saw that kind of take place on Thursday Night Football, where it was just, I mean, just an offensive <laughs> onslaught. Is uh do you, any any thoughts on just you know the games how the game script may play out? We know Philadelphia uh-huh. is still the luckiest team, and you know last week there was kind of a similar spot, right? Philadelphia uh, underdog by field goal around a field goal, and you know they get blown out. You think you think they're in danger of, of that happening again now going on the road uh, against this well rested uh, Dallas team on the on the long rest. Yeah, probably just because I mean the Eagles' schedule has been brutal lately. Uh, I mean they they played the Cowboys, um, then they had their bye, and then it was the Chiefs, Bills, Niners, and now it's the Cowboys. It, it's just hard to get up for that many big games in a row. So they could have another letdown spot here. And yeah, obviously the Eagles have been um, lucky. I mean they have been lucky, but you could also make the argument this is one of the best teams in the league and they just haven't been playing up to their, their capabilities. So they could just be better going forward and kind of overcome some, you know, misfortune coming their way. But yeah, I think in this spot uh, it makes sense again, seeing Dallas minus three and a half seems like a lot, but uh, just given how good Dallas has been and how, you know, sort of lucky the Eagles have been, I think it makes sense. Do you have any take on like the spread or anything for this game yet? I mean, it's it's not one I'll probably bet because I hate you know laying three and the hook and but <laughs> yeah. I, I do I think Dallas is the right side again because I I do think Philadelphia mm. is is not you know like they have they got to pay that back at some point I mean they you know more power to them they got they 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 got to ten wins first but I mean this team was definitely getting lucky over these past few years yeah. we've seen it the, the luck rank is back it up and this defense for it's. We're at the point of season where we, we can't just expect, you know, Slay and Bradbury and all these guys to turn it on. It's just, and it's and they did get a lot of brain drain with the coaches and the coordinators leaving and, and and things like that. So yeah, I just at this point I think this is what Philly is. But the good thing for DFS purposes, I think, is despite uh, you know, what could be a blowout game script going Dallas's way, and I mean, you know, I guess it could go either way, but um Dallas has been so pass heavy early in games and on early downs now, especially since the bye, that you can still feel confident rostering, you know, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, the rest of their pass catchers, because Dallas is throwing to get a lead. It's not like, okay, you know, now we got to just <laughs> fade Dak and, you know, go with Tony Pollard. And the Eagles run defense has been stout. So yeah. um, with that being said, uh, who you like for the captain spot? I'm going with Dak here. Um, you know, he's playing at a very high level, and you mentioned just they're, they're throwing the ball at a much higher rate um, since the bye. So he probably would have even bigger passing lines if it weren't for Dallas, you know, just playing in so many blowouts. So in what should be, you know, a close game um, against a pass-funnel Eagles defense, this might be the closest thing we see for, like, a ceiling game for Dak, at least potentially. I mean, since uh, all, last week, since well, last week, or and the week before, yeah. and and the week before that, yeah, exactly. But those that. were <laughs> those were blowouts. Like, imagine if yeah. uh, you know, foot on the gas for all sixty minutes, um, that type of upside. Plus, you know, a big game, he might be more willing to tap into his rushing upside. You know, scramble a little bit more. 
Um, and I just like using the captain slot. There, there's a handful of stacking options, obviously CD Lamb, but uh, there, there's a lot of great pass catchers to choose from. So I, I like using Dak in the captain slot here. Yeah, well, I think that I think the I I the reason I like Dak in the captain spot is because we know Philadelphia is strong on run defense. They're eighth in DVOA, so they've actually dropped a few spots. They were top two or three for most of the year, but it's hard to get that traditional run game going. We've seen Dallas struggle, you know, running Tony Power straight up the gut, right? So that means you might have to go the non-traditional route, which involves you know, maybe a read option or some, you know, uh, uh, quarterback draw, some something using Dak's legs. If he gets a touchdown on the ground, yeah. now with the way he's been throwing the ball, you add you add a rushing touchdown to, you know, his 300-plus yards and, and multiple scores through the air, and there's a very good chance Dak could outscore, you know, a guy like CeeDee Lamb, uh, even if Lamb has a big game, if Dak can get that rushing score. So in a game like this, it's less likely that, you know, a, a Tony Pollard or, or or Rico Dowdle get that rushing score because the, the Eagles have been so stout. So I think that's the the, the best argument for Dak in that captain spot uh, is, is that is that is the strong Philly run defense. I like CeeDee Lamb. I mean, I love Dak as well, but CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb, you know, if you're going, it, you know, if you're looking for the high, and I think any Dallas pass catcher, <laughs> and I mean, any pass catcher is always in playing a captain yeah. spot, uh, but CeeDee Lamb and Dak, I think, are neck and neck odds in terms of who's going to be the highest scoring player in, in the game. Uh, because Dallas is favorite, I think, you know, the ceilings are a little bit higher than a guy like Jalen Hurts and, and A.J. Brown, just just because of the way Dallas has been playing and and, and because they have a higher implied point and projected point total, really. Um, and in the first game, we know CD season high, 191 yards uh, against Dallas on 11 catches. He's had 116 or more yards in half of his games. That is one hell of a median. That means you're getting that three-point. On average, like your median outcome is getting the three-point bonus for C.D. Wham on draft. Crazy. Yeah. And and in addition to – he's had 11 or more catches in in five of his 12 games. So you're pretty much almost at a median for getting, you know, at least 10 points uh, with Dak, you know, in a full PPR – uh, excuse me, with CD Lamb and a full PBR, it's, I mean, the consistency, the ceiling floor combination has just been absurd. So, you know, I th- I don't think Lamb is the only play. Mentioned Dak, obviously Hurts, you know, all the, you know, Devontae. Um, I, I think, you know, all the guys we're about to mention for, in, you know, kind of mid-range as well. But uh, CD Lamb, I mean, his median has been six and a half catches. His median has been... Uh, you know, right? You know that that hundred yard game it happens half the hundred sixteen yard game happens half the time. He scored in half of his games as well, so it's really hard to go wrong with CD in a captain spot. Now, the way the way you would go wrong is if, like we said, Dak gets a rushing touchdown. Uh, and you know, combined with maybe like a a, a Brandon Cooks or a Ferguson getting maybe multiple scores. But uh, CD Lamb, I think, is still uh, either if he's not the most likely player to be the highest scorer, he's definitely, I think, in that top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about for value? Uh, I'm going with Jake Ferguson here. Uh, he's just playing at a high level right now. You know, earlier in the season, he was benefiting from you know elite playing time, uh, but he had some issues with drops. Was still coming into his own, but uh, he's starting to play 
much better now and still has the elite playing time. Uh, and this this is a great spot usually for tight ends. The Eagles still rank dead last uh, in DVOA against tight ends. Um, so I think he's another option. Again, like if, if you want to use him in the captain slot, I yep. get behind that as well. You know, two, you one to, or two touch. Huh? Yeah. I think you have to if you're making multiple lineups. Like I, I don't yeah, think, oh yeah, for I think sure. it's, Dak is playing at such a high level that yeah. all of these guys are multi-touchdown threats in this in this spot. Exactly. So yeah, if he gets one or two touchdowns, would be a great captain play here. Uh, so yeah, just in terms of value, mid-range guys love Jake Ferguson here. I'm I'm gonna go with Brandon Cooks, and I th- I think I alluded to this in in one of our other pods earlier this week. But you know the, the star players, you can they're gonna be consistent, right? And Brandon Cooks, he's a great player. Probably was a, you could call him a star at one point. Now he's more of a role player for the Cowboys, but he is kind of coming into his own here. And I look back at his game against the Eagles, and it was essentially his worst game of the year. Really, uh, he only had one catch for seven yards, no no touchdowns, no anything. So I like guys like this, role players who had a bad game in the first meeting. A lot of times they tend to bounce back because you're, you're going to obviously watch the tape and, and kind of try to sh- uh, shut down some of the role players that did beat you in the first game. And, uh, you know, obviously Ferguson and, and CeeDee Lamb and, and those guys were guys that stepped up. So, you know, there's a good chance that Brandon Cooks can, can get right here because there's nothing underlying that would say this is a tough matchup for him. Philadelphia is actually uh, one of the man-heavier defenses in the league. They're top eight in man coverage rate. And Brandon Cook's two yards per route against man, uh, 1.3 versus zone, according to Pro Football Focus. He's also second on the team in yards against man coverage and second on the team in touchdowns with with three against man coverage. So uh, I, I do think Brandon Cooks can win here and, and use his speed and, and his quickness to get open. And and this Eagle defense has been beatable. So uh, I think people may look at that, you know, one catch seven yards and say, all right, like I'm, I'm going to go super heavy on like Tolbert and, and Ferguson and, and Lamb only, but I wouldn't I, even, I know Cooks has been hot lately, but I, I do think when, when you have that like first matchup, that was so bad, that still does influence people. So I, I think that he might get a little bit lower roster ship than he really deserves here. So love, uh, love Cooks in this, uh, for a little while and, and I would absolutely play him in, in the captain spot we, his ceiling this year we've only really seen it once but he had a nine catch 173 yard game with a touchdown uh, against the New York Giants uh, about uh, what was it three four games ago so about about a month ago so uh, he's definitely capable love him to uh, re- flip the script from the first matchup what do you like for dark throws do you like dots Ted oh Okay, I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Uh, I'm going to go to Quez Watkins here. You know, he returned last week, uh, had a surprising route participation rate of 70%. Uh, Julio Jones didn't play at all in the second half. I'm guessing it's injury related. I haven't heard anything, Uh, but that that would make a ton of sense. And, you know, uh, so his, his status will dictate, you know, Watkins final projection for me, but uh, just Watkins is always in play on these showdown sites because he, you know, he tends to have uh, a few big plays a year. Uh, and this is this is a game where the Eagles will probably have a trailing pass-heavy game script where, you know, Hertz will probably take a few deep shots, maybe try to pull a fast one against the Cowboys. So I think, you know, Watkins really hasn't done much this year. I think he's missed a handful of games now uh, before last week. So he could be 
uh, a little bit more under the radar than he even usually is. So uh, I like going with uh, Quez Watkins here. Yeah, I'm not sure it actually was an injury. I think oh. Quez Watkins was initially meant to be the Eagles' number three receiver. They yeah. only signed Julio Jones because Watkins got hurt. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Julio Jones, we know what he is at this stage of his career. He's not really giving you <laughs> much, much. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he can still throw some run blocks, but – you know, separation wise, not really, not really giving you much. And uh, you have better guys to throw contested catches to on it. You got Brown and, and, and Smith. So he, his role is kind of, I mean, they, they went super pass heavy in the second half, right? Against the Niners because they were down. So I think that's really what it is. I think Watkins is just kind of, kind of returned to that number three role and, and Julio will be a situational uh, player at best. And I wouldn't be surprised even if, you know, we, you could even see Julio healthy scratched at some point because he's not like he's playing yeah. special teams. So, yeah, I think Watkins just kind of returning to the role initially, initially uh, meant for him because I think Zacchaeus, I guess, you know, he he's kind of – he's like their number four guy, but, mm-hmm. but not their number three. So, yeah, I think that's really what it was. So I, I like the Watkins call. Uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Tolbert here. Uh, he did have a – he did – put up numbers again. Well, not numbers, but he got a score and 49 yards against the Eagles in the first meeting. So it's not kind of betting on the reversal the way I like to, but uh, this is another guy who does well against man coverage. And again, Philly plays man at top eight rate. Tolbert, a team high 45% of his targets come versus man coverage, according to PFF. And he has 1.3 yards per route uh, against uh, man and uh, under one versus zone. So he is, it, the underlying metrics are good. The, the matchup is good for him. And he's speeding into Michael Gallup's playing time. It's about a 50-50 split these days. Mm-hmm. Gallup maybe will get like a couple more routes uh, per game than Tolbert. And uh, one other guy I'll mention is, you know, super contrarian. Not super contrarian, but somewhat contrarian is Rico Dowdle. Because, again, Philly, we know they're a pass funnel. But if Dallas can put up a big number early in a game and, you know, get a lead... Uh, at some point, they are going to go to Dowdle in the in the in the second half or in the fourth quarter. And you know, if, if Philly's down, they might take out some of their horses. You know, that defense has been playing a lot of plays uh, over these last few weeks, and uh, I, th- I think you could see Dowdle perhaps run against you know maybe not their full strength run defense. So uh, I know Pollard's been kind of back in in term like in in firm command of the that lead role I doubt it was kind of cutting into it a little bit there in midseason but uh, I do think you know kind of a post hype uh by low on Rico Dowdle who I think is always a good bet to get uh, a garbage time touchdown but they they work him in early in in the game sometimes as well mm-hmm. uh in especially in the red zone so uh like Dowdle as well but Tolbert Tolbert and Dowdle for me yep all right, let's go to Tennessee, Miami, Monday night. The one of the two, uh, Miami favored by thirteen and a half. The total forty-seven and a half. Uh, that's eight fifteen Eastern. Luck rankings: Tennessee, uh, Miami's thirteenth, so middle of the pack. Tennessee's been pretty unlucky. They're they're twenty-fourth, uh, and the total is the third lowest. It's minus four point eight. Uh, so the third lowest uh, of the on the slate. So, uh, any thoughts on on the luck rankings? Or are you just expecting another Miami blowout, regardless? Yeah, no, another Miami blowout, regardless. Um, yeah, maybe the under here would make sense. Again, I, I would avoid any first half under. I think that's when that's when Miami is playing fast. They have their scripted explosive plays, 
Uh, but, you know, both teams actually do play at very slow paces. So maybe like second half under uh, is something I would consider here. But um, definitely, you know, Tennessee is going to have to be more pass heavy here. So I think this is going to be a fun, you know, showdown site for sure. Who are you making a cap spot? Uh, I'm going with the Titan here. I, I, I'm going, obviously, there's a ton of options uh, on Miami's side, but I'm going to have to go with DeAndre Hopkins. I think it it could be a potential uh, blow up spot for Hopkins. Uh, and like I said, it should be a pass heavy game script for Tennessee. Um, we, we actually saw his route participation top 90% for the first time since her week seven by. I was mentioning it was a concern last week, and sure enough, you know, <laughs> it goes off for 90, uh, 92% route participation rate. But, you know, Will Levis targets him often, you know, 27% since he's taken over and downfield a ton. You know, Hopkins has an A dot of 17. So, you know, he's getting a lot of really good, you know, downfield targets here. Um, so, again, while there's a lot of options for the Capitol on Miami side, Hopkins is the clear option for Tennessee, uh, which kind of makes him more likely to hey, You were kind of mentioning that with Zeke, uh, where there's just, you know, less less range of outcomes when it comes to Tennessee. Um, and, you know, I don't think Derrick Henry, I don't think they're going to lean on him a ton here um, because of the, the potential game script. And he was dealing with a potential concussion last week. So I just think this is a great spot uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they'll probably try to lean on Derrick Henry. As At long least as, initially. Like a drives until Miami, <laughs> if Miami gets up like, you know, 21 nothing, then, then it's impossible. Which is which very, is very possible. Kind of the projection <laughs> with the spread at 13 and a half. But yeah. Uh, yeah, any concern about uh, Jalen Ramsey shadowing? I know Miami's starting to play a lot of man coverage. Uh, I'm, I don't know, if, I don't know if I've seen him shadow per se. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I do, I do know they've been playing a lot of man coverage. Yeah, obviously that would be a, a bit of a concern. Um, you know, they they just lost uh, Jalen Phillips for the season, so you know, Will Levis might have a little more time to throw, a little bit cleaner pocket. So there's a few things going on there. Obviously, I wouldn't want. Ramsey shadowing Hopkins, but Hopkins is still an elite receiver uh, at this point in his career. I think he'll still get volume. Um, so that that's something that might be baked into his roster ship being a little bit lower. But as of now, I'm I'm still projecting have a pretty big game here. Yeah, the Titans haven't really been in many games like this where, you know, there's yeah. been a lot of lower scoring games, even though they've been on the losing end. Um, but they haven't been on one where, you know, the opponent might put up like, you know, 40 on them. I mean, last yeah. week it was a pretty close high scoring game and, uh, you know, guys produce. So, uh, hopefully we can get more of that the same this week. Uh, gotta go Tyreek. I mean, we, <laughs> I think like this Miami's doing such a good job of blowing out, you know, these bad teams that, uh, you can play Tyreek in a captain spot and you can still kind of get the optimal lineup most of the time because Tyreek is going to be that optimal captain most of the time. I mean, he's had 25 or more DraftKings points in nine of 12 games. That's 75%. 20 or more Fanduel points, nine of 12 games, 75%. Tennessee, 30th in pass defense, DVOA. 30th versus number one wide receivers. Christian Fulton struggling on the outside. Uh, He is ranked the 11th worst of 118 qualified corners at Pro Football Focus uh, in terms of their coverage grades. And and Sean Murphy Bunting is uh, 74th of 118. So both of the the Titans' perimeter corners have really been struggling, which is why they they rank bottom three uh, against the pass and against number one receivers. But, I mean, Tyreek can shred good defenses. So uh, you just have to hope A-Chan doesn't beat him to the punch and, and you know <laughs> take like the first handoff of the game 80 yards and then the second handoff of the game 80 yards and limit Tyreek's upside but 
uh, 75% chance. I mean, it's probably close to that too. That'll be, you know, I mean, it's probably around what, what would you put it? Like probably 50, 50 or better, right? That Tyreek is the, the optimal uh, play. Oh, here, right. Yeah, At for least. sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only question is just what's, what's his, uh, you know, his roster ship specifically in the captain slot and you kind of have to weigh that out but yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> way up there and you, you beat me to the outline obviously uh I, I <laughs> want to go with him always but when i know Tariq is on the slate i mean i got to <laughs> yeah, that's true but uh yeah it's it's a pass funnel matchup where uh jeffrey simmons is out so you know two is going to have even more time to to you know hit Tariq deep yeah this is an obvious play <laughs> who you like for value uh so i'm gonna go with tajay spears um just because of you know, the pass heavy trailing game script, uh, that's an ideal spot for Spears. You know, all five games where Spears has four more receptions uh, have come in losses. So as 14 point dogs here might be another one of those games. Um, and yeah, last week, you know, Henry looks like he, thankfully he avoided uh, mm-hmm. like having a concussion or I don't know how you phrase it, but he's not in the concussion protocol. So he seems clear, fine, but you know, the protocol. Yeah. 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 But it, Maybe they limit him here. It's, you know, this is a game script for Spears anyway, but want to start giving Spears some looks, look at, you know, next season beyond. Um, so love Tajay Spears here. Also love our boy Chiga Kwanku here, who's, you know, as soon as I kind of left him for dead a few weeks ago, he's starting to trend up. His target rate's going up. So this, if it's a pass-heavy game script, Chig, you know, he's more than capable of having a big game if it goes that direction. I think he's in play here as well, too. Yeah, I like that call on Chig because – you know, as a rookie quarterback and Will Levis, and I mean, he's been targeting, he really has no fear in targeting Hopkins, so it might not matter. But yeah. I mean, you would think he's probably going to be instructed, like, maybe you should try to avoid Ramsey and, and Xavier Howard on the outside yeah. and, and target, you know, guys on the on, in the uh, middle of the field a little bit more. And, you know, that's where Chig kind of does his work. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. He's kind of under the radar. He hasn't been running quite as many routes, but as you mentioned, his his target rate is uh, has been pretty good, right around right under twenty percent, and uh, he had a season high sixty two uh, receiving yards last week. So I think he could build on that in, in yeah. what could be a, a trailing game script here. Uh, I like Mostert. I think Mostert's interesting because we know Achan put up the massive game. Achan had more carries. Achan had more routes run, but. It, it it was interesting because in the first half, Mostert outsnapped Achan nineteen to twelve, uh, and so Achan really didn't do much. So uh, there's a couple of ways this could go. One, if like there you could you could see variance where because you want to try to take advantage of you know variance of things that kind of the unexpected when you're rostering these guys for tournaments. If this game is closer than expected, Mostert may see more snaps and, and touches than expected and he may even out touch uh HN, which means he could outscore him he'll be the cheaper one because he he's been very productive but not quite that productive as HN, who's busting off a big mm-hmm. play it seems like every other touch uh so I kind of like him and also you know Tennessee does have that really good run defense ranking but as you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons who is one of the best interior linemen in the game point blank period out with a knee injury probably gonna miss a couple of weeks here so uh, Mostert, uh, if he gets, if he's, if Tyreek Hill doesn't bust off, you know, like a long touchdown and, and Miami has to end, like work it down the field, there's a good chance Mostert is in the game uh, for a couple of goal line looks. And same thing with HN. If, if those two guys who are, I think are going to be the most popular 
uh, aren't you know don't bust off the big play, then Mostert becomes in play. So I like the leverage with Mostert yeah. uh, here, who's going to again be cheaper than the other two you know guys that you expect to do the heavy lifting for Miami, and then you know cheaper than Waddle too, I believe. So uh, like Mostert in this spot, who you like for dart throws? Uh, I'm going to go with Braxton Berrios here. And, you know, obviously the, the Dolphins passing offense flows through Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle uh, to an extreme, I might add. But um, you wouldn't know it, but because he has zero catches <laughs> over the last two games, uh, but Berrios has run around on 71% of Tua's dropbacks. So uh, at some point he might get a couple targets, which means he might get a couple of receptions. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he, he's probably overlooked enough here to, you know, have a, a few, uh, flyers on, uh, Berrios here. Um, and he's nice leverage against Hurricane Waddle. Not that you necessarily want to do that, but just on a, on a single game slate like this, I think it does make sense. Um, if, if Tennessee sells out to try to stop, you know, Hurricane Waddle, I, I don't know if they can do that. Uh, Berrios could, you know, have a few catches here. And that would be more than enough uh, to to like be needed to take down the showdown slate. So I think uh, on the Dolphin side, I was I was you know looking way down there, but I think Barrios makes makes some sense here. Yeah, I mean he's on the field with uh, with Tua, you know that McDaniel offense schemed. So you know at any point, like same thing with a guy <laughs> like Durham Smythe. At some point, he's going to catch a touchdown or two just because you know yeah. defenses are. It's just going to kind of catch him off guard. So yep. I've noticed, yeah, Barrios' route, route participation is trending up. Uh, another guy whose route participation is trending up, Nick Westbrook-Akine. Uh, Kyle Phillips was has been the slot receiver and kind of splitting time with Westbrook-Akine. He was in, he's, his playing time has been going down, and he was actually a healthy and active last game. Uh, so either way, I, you know, Phillips may be active this week, but uh, Westbrook-Akine tends to run around at least 50% of the dropbacks. And 90% last game, Miami plays man coverage at a top five rate. Westbrook Akine, second on the Titans in receiving yards against man coverage, uh, according to PFF. And he also leads the team in average depth to target against man coverage at just under 17. So he does have some big play upside. And if Tennessee is trailing late in the game, and it's like kind of garbage time. I think Westbrook Akine is kind of in that perfect spot where, you know, he probably wouldn't, he probably, he'll play a lot of the snaps with the starters, but he probably wouldn't be pulled in a garbage time situation. <laughs> so he's kind of got right. the best of both worlds going. Uh, the matchup is decent. I think you always want to target, well, now that Ramsey's here, you know, the slot, the middle of the field, Cater Kohu's the, the slot corner. He's allowed 29 of 32 completions in the slot. Uh, a passer rating of just over 115, uh, according to PFF. So uh, I think there's a, a little bit of a matchup edge for for Levis to target him in the slot. And he has a 20-plus yard catch in five of his 12 games played this year. So he does have some big play upside, has three touchdowns on the year. So uh, I think he's a guy who could benefit if Tennessee has to be more pass-heavy than normal especially weight weight in the game yeah that that was like best case scenario for him because kyle phillips was inactive to to make room for Traylon burks who they barely played so westbrook kind of got to play a ton um i i think if anything Traylon burks uh routes will probably go up this week but those mm-hmm. will probably come at the expense of chris moore chris right moore, i feel like yep. yeah they're more correlated i mean either one of those guys is probably worth a dart throw as well i mean 
either one can catch yeah. a deep ball or two here. But uh, yeah, I noticed that too. Westbrook Akina's uh, been trending up and his routes are probably s- remain the same. Whereas I think Chris Moore could see the biggest drop if, you know, Traylon Burks does play more this week. Yeah, I guess they were easing him in. Um, I, I mean, Moore's mm-hmm. been playing well, so maybe maybe he jumped. I mean, Burks, it's not like mm-hmm. Burks has really shown sure. as much as probably they would have liked. But yeah, I would expect Burks' route uh, routes to go up. But uh, I still like Westbrook Akine. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. Phillips, if he's active, just because I, I do want to, like you said, Chig, I, I do want to target this Miami team like away from the perimeter uh, yeah. if possible. And usually Westbrook Akine, Phillips uh, are the guys that play more inside. Uh, and more it's more of like your deep kind of, deep uh what do you call it uh wind sprint wind sprint runner on the outside <laughs> the demarcus <clears throat> robinson role yeah he, he's playing well too by although the way. yeah 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 i take that back yeah no he tore it up this week <laughs> uh okay let's uh oh and one more i mentioned uh i think the miami defense is in play here i mean you got a a situation where will levis may have to drop back more than he ever has uh in any mm. nfl game and so you you know there could mistakes could be made he had uh he had 39 drop back he had 39 attempts uh, against tampa and pittsburgh he threw a, a pick and got sacked four times in each of those games and uh, in his last game against the colts he fumbled three times so uh I, and got sacked six times so uh, i do think you know this miami team with the potential to put up you know 30 plus 40 plus even uh, that you could see a, a ton of mistakes from the rookie quarterback, so wouldn't uh, wouldn't sleep on a Miami D either, and stacking them stackable with one or even both of the uh, of the running backs as well. Okay, let's go to the Monday night game. Giants, I mean the second Monday night game, I should say. Giants hosting the Packers. Giants underdogs by six and a half at MetLife. The total is thirty seven. Uh, luck rankings have the Giants. Giants have been the seventh luckiest. Packers have been 17th in the middle of the pack. Uh, and the total, the luck total is uh, plus 4.1. So pointing over, these teams have been scoring a little bit under expectation. That That's the third highest uh, total of week 15. Uh, any thoughts on those? Or Yeah, I, the over would kind of make sense here with just Jordan Love playing at a high level. Uh, yeah. Tommy DeVito has looked a lot better uh, the more time he's gotten and they're coming off a bye. So maybe this will be the best version of Tommy DeVito we've seen. So I I get behind it. I'm I'm not saying I'm locking it in right now, but I can understand why there'd be some appeal on the over. Yeah. And because there's no weather concerns throughout the league this week, but this game is actually expected to be clear. No chance of rain. It looks like, and uh, wins in the double digits, but low double digits, which is, you know, some of the games we were talking upwards of 20 mile per hour wins. So uh, fairly decent conditions, I think, uh, yep. in this spot for for the Giants and the Packers. Uh, who do you like in the captain spot? Uh, I'm going to go with Romeo Dobbs here because, you know, Christian Watson could miss this game. Um, and Jaden Reed, who I love, like he's obviously an option for the captain spot as well, but he tends to be limited in uh, positive game scripts because he's typically only in when the Packers run uh, 11 personnel. And just with, you know, a positive game script, they typically use less 11 personnel. So this could be a big Dobbs game. Um, he's been playing well of late. So has Jordan Love, obviously. But um, in what could be a run-heavy game, he he's the type of 
pass catcher for the Packers that probably doesn't need a ton of volume uh, to, to have a captain worthy game. You know, he tends to get some downfield targets, uh, has a touchdown on 16% of his reception. So usually, you know, in the red zone, uh, Love is looking Dobbs way uh, and he's been really good lately. So uh, I think it makes sense. He might be a little bit under the radar too in the captain slot. So I love going with Dobbs here. Yeah, Dobbs, is, he's been a touchdown maker uh, this year for Jordan Love. So, uh, you know, really kind of uh, was like a, a guy we both were high on entering his rookie year. And he's kind of, he's come along nicely, I, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, in year two. You know, he's been running about just over 80% route participation rate, yeah. usually c- counting him for three, four catches at least every game. And uh, as you mentioned, ton of touchdowns. So I, I like it. I'm going with – I like Jordan Love himself in the captain spot because, like you said, I think, you know, Packers, you know, favorites by almost a touchdown. I think most people might say, oh, you know, this is a little – game script might be a little too positive. But we've seen this Packer team, they tend to play in some close games. I mean, a lot of one-score games, you know, even, you know, the uh, Pittsburgh – four straight games have they've, they've played have been one-score games uh, and – five of the last uh, six of the last eight games they played have been one score games. So uh, this giant team, you know, coming off a of bye, I don't think they'll just roll over here. So I, I like Jordan Love. I, you know, the Giants like to play man coverage, play it at a top 10 rate. So that could open some running lanes for Love. He's also got a 103 rating this year against man coverage with a 9.3% touchdown rate uh, per FTN, at 75 rating against zone with just a 2.4% touchdown rate. So, you know, the Giants won it every week, week in, week out, because they blitz so much. And, and Love has also been good against the blitz. So uh like the matchup for him. And he's been averaging 286 and a half passing yards, 15 rushing yards. So over 300 total yards over his last four games uh, with two and a half touchdowns and just a half a pick per game over those last four. So he's playing well. I think he's improving week week by week. I, it, would, it would not be great if Christian Watson uh, were to miss, but... uh I think he's got enough weapons, you know, mm-hmm. Dontavian Wicks is another guy who I'll talk about in a bit, but he's, he's playing well. You mentioned Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, uh, you know, Kraft has a touchdown filling in for Musgrave. Dylan's catching the ball well out of the backfield. So I, I like Jordan Love uh, in this spot. Uh, and I think that the way he spreads the ball around, especially if Watson's out, I, I mm. the way he spreads the ball around, uh, he may end up being that high scorer uh, for this game. So, like, like love in the spot. We like for value. Uh, I like Wandale Robinson here. Uh, you know, he's seen a 84% route participation past two games. Um, so he can rack up receptions in a hurry. So we could see five-plus catches here uh, in a potential negative game script. And have to imagine that Tommy DeVito, like I mentioned, might be even more comfortable uh, as an NFL quarterback after the bye week. Uh now, just going to be more up to speed in the offense, more chemistry with his pass catchers. And, you know, Robinson's a nice high percentage option for him uh, in the passing game. So can see, you know, leaning on him here and, you know, for a showdown slate, if he has five, six receptions here, I love that in sort of this mid-range. Yeah, he's his, his routes have really been rising uh, over the last few weeks, you know, 70, 80 percent where he earlier in the year, he was like a 50, 60 yeah. percent player. So I think that they've kind of settled on. You know, Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, and Wandale Robinson as their top three. And those guys are starting to play more, more and more. Well, Slayton was always playing a lot, but Hyatt yeah. and, and Robinson are playing more. So uh, Hyatt is actually the guy I like 
You know, Green Bay, we know they're a zone-heavy team under defensive coordinator Joe Barry. They play zone at the fourth highest rate, and Hyatt's coming off uh, his first 100-yard game, five catches for 109 on six targets, 70% route participation. He's averaging 1.9 yards per route against zone, just 0.3 yards per route against man. He leads the Giants in receiving yards against zone already, even though he hasn't even had that many targets. He's got over 300 receiving yards against zone coverage this year, and he leads the Giants in average at the target versus zone coverage. His A dot versus zone is 28.3. No one else on the team is higher than 8.8. So against a zone-heavy team, this is pretty intriguing. I mean, DeVito obviously has to have time, and he tends to get sacked a ton. But when he does get time, uh, I do think he'll throw it up to uh, Hyatt because, I mean, you got nothing to lose at this point. You just need to kind of see how the rookie's developing. And coming off a bye, always a situation where I love to target uh, a rookie. Uh, I wish he hadn't broken out before the bye because this then would have made the spot even better. But uh, perfect matchup for him uh, against a zone-heavy Packer defense. But uh, the bye might help. People might have already forgotten about his massive 109-yard game. Yeah, but then they're going to be looking for like guys to play on the Giants. And they're like, okay. He's, <laughs> I mean, after Saquon Barkley, it's it's like Wandale, it's... And I guess yeah, I guess you could kind of make a case for any of them for all three of the the, the top receivers. But uh, who do you like for dart throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, I like Malik Heath only if Christian Watson is ruled out. So this is a potential play if Watson's ruled out. I think you know Wicks will certainly get the biggest boost in terms of playing time. But you know Heath could be under the radar as he should also see an increase in snaps, like you know probably twenty, thirty percent routes run rate uh, if we're lucky, but he has seen a ridiculous Tyreek Hill, like 32% target rate this year. It seems like whenever he's on the field, uh, love looks his way. Now, if he gets an increase in playing time, uh, obviously I I would expect that to take a hit. I expect that to take a hit anyway, but it just goes to show that he's pretty solid route runner. He does get open. Uh, Defenses tend to just ignore him when he's on the field. So, um, you know, he could easily get two to three receptions if he sees like I said, a 20 to 30% routes run rate. Not asking for much here, but uh, he's definitely an option, again, if Christian Watson is ruled out here. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, 32% target rate. Uh, you know, the only thing that's been holding him back is he's been limited to, you know, 10 to 15% yeah. uh, snap rate on passing on passing downs. But that could rise if Christian Watson's ruled out. And you kind of hit on it. Dante Van Wicks is the guy I like because he... Uh, is another guy mm-hmm. that could see an increase if Watson's ruled out. But even if he's not, uh, you know, Wicks last four games, Watson's been in the lineup. Wicks has play. Uh, Wicks has averaged fifty-eight and a half yards per game over the last four. Three point three receptions, four point three targets, forty-three uh, percent route participation rate. And with Watson out earlier this year, those three games Watson missed, Wicks route participation rate jumped to 64%. So he's playing on essentially two thirds of the pass snaps. So for a guy that's already, you know, averaging close to 60 yards a game, playing not even half the snaps, uh, he has major upside if he gets even a little bit of an increase. And he did see a season high in, in targets and it, with six and his only touchdown came both in games without Christian Watson. So he obviously gets a boost there, but I, I think a better play if Watson is in because I think that lowers his roster show. I think he's going to be obviously very chalky 
if Watson's ruled out. So I would probably roll with your Heath play if uh, if Watson yeah. were ruled out. I think Heath would be the better play. If Watson's in, then Heath uh, might not play enough. Then I think Wicks is right. the uh, is the better play. No, that's I, I think that's a great plan. If Watson's in, Wicks. If Watson's out, Heath. Yep. In terms of like dark throws. All right, that is going to do it for our Night Shift episode on the Fantasy Flex for Week 14. For more fantasy content from Sean and I, be sure to check out our full NFL Player Projections episode that's out right now over on the Action Network podcast channel. And our Fantasy Preview episode is right here on the Fantasy Flex podcast channel, actionnetwork.com, for all of our NFL fantasy and betting content, fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. Don't forget to join the Action Network Discord server, link in the episode description. And you can find Sean on X at the underscore oddsmaker. I'm at Chris Raybon, and we're at those same handles on the free, award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.